Um, so we're going to be in John chapter 16. We're going to continue our series through the book of John. Um, we're going to be doing about 10 verses. We'll be through uh, verses 5 through 15 today. Um, and we're going to be talking specifically on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just kind of remind you to set the stage of where Jesus Christ is at. Um, you can see that the last uh, about four or five chapters that we've been reading have been dedicated uh, to the last 24 hours of Jesus Christ's life. And uh, put it in perspective, as I was studying this passage, I was thinking, if I had 24 hours to live, what would I say to my boys today? And that kind of put in perspective how important and significant everything Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm going to leave you with my best. Um, some people have uh, started the, the beginning of this discourse and called it the upper room discourse because that's where they started. But I like it more poignantly said, some people call it the farewell discourse, which I think puts a little bit of a ring to everything that Jesus is saying. Um, it's Basically, the last third of the Bible is this tight moment with his disciples. If you think Jesus Christ has ceased or uh, not continued his public ministry, he's not in, you know, out in the public, he's not talking, he's just got those that are closest to him, and he's giving them his best. And um, I find it um, fascinating, too, just to give you a little perspective on Jesus' heart in this situation. Jesus knows that he's about to be arrested. He knows he's going to get beaten. He knows he's going to get murdered on a cross. And yet it's him doing all the comforting tonight. Um, I find that so uh, interesting of the Lord's heart. It was him that's doing all the heavy lifting. It's him that's going to have to suffer. And yet it's him that's calming the hearts of his disciples as they're understandably freaking out because they're going to lose their shepherd, right? But he's going to encourage them. He says, I don't just do anything in a vacuum. I don't just take away one thing to leave you with this hole. I, I replace it with something better. And that better is always something good. He doesn't just take away fear and then go, there you are, you're no longer fearful. He replaces it with faith. He doesn't just take away despair. He fills it with hope. He always gives you what they, he takes away from the enemy and gives you something better that comes from him. And this reminds you, he doesn't just give it to you temporarily. He gives it to you everlasting. And that is the heart of the, uh, the, our Lord and Master as he's speaking tonight. Um, but I want to let you know, I think that the uh, Trinity... Of, of the three people in the Trinity, the third person is the most misunderstood, the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that we have um, a complete good grasp of it. Um, I can say that sometimes people um, have it, like I can understand the Father and Son, and I'll explain it this way. Whenever I would go into kids' ministry with Jackie, she was really good at taking 19 of the most well-behaved Christian little children in that room and saying, since you're here, can you take the one that's not behaving well? That's your job today. And I would be like, oh, okay. And so I would sit with this kid, and I would be like, you know, you're not supposed to draw on the wall. You're not supposed to throw balls at other people's faces. And kids are really good at changing the subject to get out of trouble. And uh, I just remember this one time, this one kid. By the way, this story is old. This is so nobody's kid in here today. This is like 10, 10, 15 years ago. I sat with this kid, and I said, I mean, you're in big trouble. I said it like that, and he was like, hey, you know what? Let's talk about the Trinity. And I'm like, okay. I'm interested in the word. That's a good, that's a good subject change. Let's, but I hear you. Let's talk about the Trinity, buddy. And he said this. He goes, you know, the Father makes sense because he sounds a lot like my dad. And he says, Jesus makes a lot of sense to me because he sounds a lot like my older brother. Like, my dad tells me what to do and loves me, takes care of me. Jesus, like my older brother, guides me and shows me how to do things. But he goes, what about that holy bird? I don't... <laughs> 
I think the reason I'm in trouble today is I've never received the holy bird. I'm missing the bird. And I went, you know what? I can see where the problem really is. We need to dive deeper in the word together. Um, So you can see that sometimes that's kind of how we see it. We can see father as a person. We can see son as a person. But sometimes we look at the Holy Spirit and we see maybe something of an impersonal force, like, a, uh, like gravity. Like gravity is there, but it's not something that we interact with, but it's definitely something we can uh, feel. We can even see it when we drop something. Or maybe like the force, uh, like Star Wars, right? Um, it's like this force for good. It's trying to bring balance to the universe, but we don't really interact with it with the same way we interact with a person. But scripture is pretty clear that the Holy Spirit is the third person. And the third person has come to help us. And the third person is here, and you've already met him. Before we get into our scripture today, I want you to look at the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 says it very poignantly. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. And so I just want to let you know today, as you are sitting here, if you are a Christian, you are a Christ follower, you call Jesus Christ your Messiah, then you've already interacted with the Holy Spirit. You are currently interacting with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the person, is revealing to you your need for a Messiah. Without that, you wouldn't know that you even had a need. Without that, you would even not know that there was a Messiah even thinking about you. And yet here it says, we don't even do this thing called church or Christianity without him. Look what it continues to say. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And so I want to let you know today, if you've heard that the Lord loves you and the Lord is for you and has come to you, has died on the cross for you, and his blood has covered your sins, and because he is now resurrected, your sins have been atoned for, you are resurrected. The only reason you know that is because the Holy Spirit came to you and and turned on that light, opened up your eyes to what you were once blind to. And I find that fascinating. I would even say, I dare I'd say, even that moment is a miracle, would you not say? That the Spirit of the Lord came to you, found you in your, in your maybe depraved state, in a place where you may be rebelling a God, maybe even rejecting God, and then turning your heart towards the truth. That's a miracle. And so if you are writing a note today, I want to remind you, this is something that you're already doing. If you are a Christ follower, you are already working with the Holy Spirit. With that word being up there, I want to let you know something. If you are already working with the Holy Spirit, the person, then you better get to know him. Because that is why the church exists today. That's why we flourish as Christians, no matter what's happening to us. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only reason we can open up the Bible and understand what all this means is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I also want to say something to a different group. If you're in this room and you might be struggling or on the fence, Or maybe you're not even a believer. I'll say this word, yet, because the Holy Spirit is working on you. You've still met the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to tell you why. There's a time in your life where you've heard a word, or maybe a song, or maybe you've opened up the Bible on your own, and you've read something, and you know it to be true, but you reject it, or you run away from it. That twinge that you felt in your heart, that, that elbow in your ribs, that was the Holy Spirit. So the person of the Holy Spirit, now we all know, and we can set this precedence, is working with all of us. 
And so I just want to let you know that is the heart of the Lord, that is the heart of Jesus Christ, is that he's going to say, um, I don't just say that I die on the cross and then you believe that I died and now you're a Christian. There's always a now what, right? And what's the now what? The now what is the Holy Spirit is going to come to us and continually grow us for what? Preparing us for our time in heaven. I love what Chuck Smith says. I want to live in such a way that when I die, I don't notice a difference because of the way that I serve the Lord. I love that. That's what the Holy Spirit is revealing in us. So there's going to be three parts to this next 10 verses. I'm going to put it on the screen for you, and I want you just to kind of see what God is doing in his disciples as he's preparing to die. So Jesus continues to disciple his disciples even though he's going to leave them. First is to be prepared. Don't all Christians need to be prepared? We are so quick and so fast to question God the moment crisis arises because we're shocked by it. We're not prepared by it. And as a people who live in hurricane zone, don't you like to be prepared? I want to let you know, uh, since we've moved to Sebastian, we were woefully for this one th- unprepared for this one thing. We had a lightning storm the other night, and a lightning bolt just was so loud, and it snapped right next to our house, and we had no internet. And you could tell for like the next 10 minutes, we had to figure out what to do with our lives. I can't even check the weather. I can't order Instacart. I can't do nothing for the next 10 minutes until I figure it out. But I was prepared. I go, oh, I have stuff for this moment. I can read a book. Um, Number two, don't stumble. Uh, That's why we call it the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. It's great for a Christian to know where the pitfalls are, right? And it's also great for to know where the enemy is going to lay traps. You're much more um, adapt to say, let's keep moving forward if you don't fall into that trap, correct? And that's what the Lord's going to do through the power of the Holy Spirit is reveal the traps that will exist without you and within you. And then last part is stay focused. Stay focused. And the disciples are going to need that. But more importantly, we're going to need that. Because we need to know where we're going. We need to know what we're being prepared for. And we don't want to lose track. We don't want to take our eyes off the prize. How much of your Christian walk would you say would be different if you didn't waste time with the what ifs? If you didn't waste time with regrets? If you kept locked in with the Holy Spirit, step for step for where he's taking you? Where is he taking you? For eternity. And what is he doing through you along the way? Everything that Jesus did. When we don't have to look very far into Scripture to know what God's purpose and design for us is, it's the life of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit is going to bear testimony to. So without further ado, join me in chapter 16 of John, verse 5. Let's go together. It says now, But now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. First, I'd like to like, address a little human moment here. I love Jesus' words here in verse 5 and 6. None of you are asking where I'm going. I mean, they're all, woe is me, woe is me. And he's like, does anybody care about Jesus? Does anybody want to take, take him out? I'm doing some stuff here. I'm, you know, he goes to the garden and he sweats blood because it's, it's a tough job. Does anybody want to pray for me? But look what he says. Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things, but he brings them into an encouragement, right? I'm going away, but I'm replacing. Remember, I don't do anything in a vacuum. I'm sending one that is going to help you, an advocate. And you can always ask this question, why does God have to go away? Why does Jesus have to leave? 
for the Holy Spirit. And that can be kind of a confusing concept because you're like, why not have both? That would be great, Holy Spirit and Jesus. But I want to let you know this has been a plan of Christ since John chapter 3. When we started in this book, we read this on verse 34. He said, for God sent him and he speaks God's words. He gives the Spirit without measure. I put in in parentheses up there, or limited access. You know, when the Lord uh, began his ministry, uh, his ministry didn't really take place or explode, right, until when? Until the Holy Spirit descended on him. You know, John the Baptist was baptizing people. Jesus came down to the water, and Jesus said, let me be baptized by you. And John was like, I can't even touch your shoes. That's impossible. And he goes, it is good. Why would Jesus say it was good? Because he's going to live the life that we're supposed to live. So he's giving us the model. And so what does he do? He is obedient to the Lord. He goes in the water, he's baptized, and then he's raised, and then what happens? The Lord says, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased, and then the Holy Spirit descends. I want to let you know something. If Jesus needs the Holy Spirit to ministry, do you think we do? Right, right. So this is the moment the Lord is saying, it is good, it is good for me to receive the Holy Spirit, it is also good for me to go away. It continues to say this uh, in the beginning of John chapter 3. We have it on the screen. It says, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. And so what the Lord is saying here is that you have a deep need to have the Holy Spirit inside of you to move forward in ministry, okay? Okay. But you're not going to receive that Holy Spirit until you become a new creation. Flesh gives birth to flesh, right? We don't need you to be in that place anymore. What we need you to do is be reborn in the Spirit. And so the Lord is saying, you know what? And and we're reading this in the disciples' timeline, understand, right? But Resurrection Sunday has not taken place. Easter hasn't taken place yet. But is God preparing them for Easter? Well, it's going to be in a matter of days, right? So you could see, and by the way, I just want to put this in your head. If you ever feel like you're struggling with the Bible and you're like, man, I'm not smart enough to read this. Mind you, Jesus stood in front of the disciples, and this is how I see it. I mean, you might not read the Bible and see this way. Jesus being like, so I'm going to die. I'm going to go in the ground. Three days. I'm going to come up. You guys good? And they're like, no, we have no idea what you're talking about. To the point that when Jesus actually dies and goes on the ground, they go, what's happening? And it's just like, I just imagine if somebody came with an iPad and go, remember when he said this? And they play the video. And they're still not getting it. Why I would say this? Maybe because the Holy Spirit hasn't come inside to them to reveal. But in this moment, I want you to walk with the disciples and feel as smart as the disciples as they go through this. But once again, I want you to see what God is really saying. I want you to see what he's really pouring out in John chapter 3, and he's connecting it all the way to John chapter 16. He's saying, what I want you to do is operate under the authority that I've been operating. I'm leaving, but I am now providing the same authority that was provided to me. I'm now providing it to you. And I want you to understand this. As Jesus calls you forward to move in ministry, wouldn't it be interesting for you to think of yourselves in two different ways? You're at a hospital room of somebody that you love. And they're asking for your prayer. Do you want to go under the authority of the Holy Spirit or your authority? Or you're in a crisis in your marriage. Do you want to go under the authority of the Holy Spirit or do you want to go by your own power? Your own power is probably what made that mess in the first place. That's why you want to operate. And the Lord is saying, this is good for me to go away. You want to operate this way. And then there's another side of it. We're moving from a local situation to a 
global situation. Imagine this. You have one Jesus Christ in one spot. Imagine him having to go on the circuit and preach at every church. How long would it take him before he got here? We'd be waiting for a long time, but that's not how we want to look at this. We want to look at this in a different way. Jesus wants to look at this in a different way. I will give you another case in point. Imagine if Jesus was here. I go, next Sunday, Jesus Christ is going to be here, right? And you're like, oh, that's awesome. And then Jesus Christ gets up here and preaches and goes, by the way, I'm going to go to one of your houses and eat dinner after service. You'd be like, oh, that clearly has to be me. And then he goes to somebody else, and you're like, why them? You know, like, oh, I can't believe it. We were going to order pizza and everything. We were going to get the good pizza. And it's just like, there, now you have a wrestle of one person, one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit is not that. I want to give you what it would look like. It would be nice to go door to door throughout the city of Sebastian with Jesus Christ, wouldn't it? It would be nice to go with Jesus and just stand next to him and be like, what he, what he said. He's, <laughs> he's just fabulous, everything he says. And then you'd kind of probably hide behind him and just not really get in the way, but that's not what the Lord wants. He wants to bring the ministry and the spirit of the Lord to you. Now imagine this. God sends us two by two out into the city. And just as you're knocking on a door, the Holy Spirit gives you the right words and the right prayer for that person. Identify, identically at the same time, I'm on the other side of town, and me and my buddy are knocking out of that door, and the Holy Spirit's giving us the right word and the right command and the right prayer for that person. And at the same time, we both lead those people in prayer to salvation, to Jesus Christ, with the same testimony. And now those brothers and sisters have been snatched from the jaws of hell and will be in heaven forever, ever, amen. We would appreciate that moment that the Lord gave us, the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And so you can see why the Lord is saying in this moment how wonderful this thought is for me to leave, to go to heaven and give you the Holy Spirit that's been operating in me. I think that's a great privilege. So we're going to continue in verse 8. I'm going to talk about now this part's the part that don't stumble. We can talk about this Holy Spirit process. Verse 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And so there's a lot going on, even though those are three verses, and we can unpack it this way. We have a job that the Holy Spirit's been assigned, and this is the job of the Holy Spirit, to prove that sin is wrong, to prove that Christ is our righteousness, and then to show us judgment. Now, I'm going to unpack this for you. You can see there's a very simple truth that's coming out inside of this. I want to ask you this. Can you get to heaven on your own righteousness? The Bible is clear on that, and, they, and you, as you all shake your head, it's, it's no. But there is a truth to this. Is there a righteousness that can get you to heaven? It's Jesus Christ. You can say this in this way. Um, there's only one person that has lived this truth, Jesus Christ, and the rest of us have not lived that truth, correct? And so when saying this, there is only one truth, and it is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You start to see it, right? It starts to make sense. And I will never be able to stand before the Lord with my thoughts, my actions, my deeds, everything being judged, and make my way into heaven. But there will be a place where my advocate will say, but he has the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Free ticket, come on in. Thank you. And that's what the Lord is doing. We, we are seeing through the Holy Spirit there is a commandment or a testimony that is coming through the Holy Spirit to reveal in you this truth because otherwise you wouldn't know it. 
This is why David would say in Psalms 24, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. The moment that you hear that, you know for a fact that I am not pure. You know that. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And what's the standard? Because if I measure myself by Jesus Christ, then I will not be able to be judged righteous. And that's what we're on. We're on a, conclu- a, a, a collision course between our, right, between our lack of righteousness and Jesus' righteousness, right? And it collides together. But the beauty of the Holy Spirit is to say, I didn't come to just beat you down and tell you that you're wrong. I came to tell you the good news. That while you were yet a sinner, Christ still died for you. So here is the verdict. Look at the cross, see your sin, see it wiped out by his blood and atoned for, and then now you can move into a deeper relationship with us. Why? Because Jesus made it so. It's a gift. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. And now all you have to do is receive it. But now that you know, will you receive it? This is why the Holy Spirit says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Another Another uh, passage and a point to the personage of, of the Holy Spirit, right? Not an impersonal force. It's the Holy, Holy Spirit looking in front of you and going, don't sin, don't do this, don't grieve. Look at the cross. We don't need to go back there. With whom you were sealed for the day of, what's that word? Redemption. Redemption. See, the Lord is looking at you through the Holy Spirit, through the guidance and saying to you, you, I'm convicting you of this sin because I don't want to be grieved. I don't want you to be grieved because I have a day of celebration, the day of redemption, the day where I stand as your advocate before the Lord and say, his righteousness is Jesus's righteousness. It's not of his own work. It's not of his own power. It's by the power of the Lord that he is here and he has received. And that is what the Lord is doing. Think about this power. The Holy Spirit is giving you a banner, sealing you in the Holy Spirit and saying, you are mine. Demons do not touch. World, you can't have at it. This person is mine and under my authority. And so you can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to lift you up from the sadness and death of sin up into what? Into heavenly places. The idea is not to come and go, uh, Joey, you're the worst. And Monday is not an excuse. I don't care. You keep saying that, uh, you know, it's, but it's Monday. You know, it doesn't you know. That's not an excuse. What I'm trying to tell you is I am preparing you. I don't want you to stumble. I want to raise you up to that you are heavenly grade, and you will only do that until you start listening to me. I'm your guide. I'm showing you the way, and I don't want to give you up, and that's what, what this moment is. The moment that I know what I'm doing is wrong and is off and is not the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is the moment that the blinders come off. It's the moment the light comes on. I wouldn't be able to do that on my own. And then what does that become? It becomes my testimony. And now what am I doing? I am standing in the, maybe the court of heaven, the court of public opinion, and I am testifying to the goodness of God because he's in me. I'm testifying to the goodness of God because I am changed. I am no longer the old me. I am testifying to his goodness. Why? Because all I can do is testify to the truth because I abhor the lies. I abhor the darkness. I don't want anything to do with it because I have a new appetite, a ferocious appetite for the goodness of God. And that is what the Spirit is doing, reporting only the facts, the truth to us. Look at verse 12. This brings us to a place of staying focused. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you 
what is yet to come. I love this because there's actually kind of like Jesus is taking his foot off the gas a little bit. Like he's laid a heavy thing on them. First they were like, they're, they're going ballistic because he's leaving. And then the second thing, they're like, who is this other person that you're sending? We don't know this person. But the Lord is saying, and I can hear it, there's a tenderness of the Holy Spirit that's coming into this situation even now. And from Jesus, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down. I can see your brain is full. I can see your hearts are shaking. So I'm going to say this. I, I want to bring to a place where we're going to download all the truth that you need to know, but we'll do it in a way that you can hold on to it. And I think that's amazing because, once again, what is Jesus doing? He's comforting them as he's going to the cross. And you can hear this echoed in Acts 15. The Holy Spirit has this moment where he makes a decision where it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And that's a call to when Paul was dealing with something, the Holy Spirit goes, let's just work within the confines of what these people can do. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to grow you. We're in that process of making you stronger, more mature Christians, but I'm not going to push you faster than you can really go. I will challenge you. I will stretch you. But do you hear that same tenderness? you hear that tenderness in the heart of the Father? You hear that tenderness in Jesus Christ? And you hear that same tenderness in the Holy Spirit? And I like that because you can see this. There's the same heart. Now you know how you can see three people separate but in one unity in the Trinity. John 14, 17 would come to show that our disciples would be in this place with the Lord. It's on the screen. It says, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it is neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. That's the special word right there. You know him. You know his heart, basically. For he lives with you and will be in you. You see, the spirit is with all believers. The same spirit that was with Jesus Christ when he was challenging the Pharisees, the same one when he's walking on water, and the same one when he was raising people from the dead is now in you and will be working with you, but not yet. I find it fascinating when you read the Old Testament, you never hear of the Spirit of the Lord in anybody. And I can imagine that would be a really awkward situation if Moses walked in here today. And it's very challenging for the Jews, too, at this time, because remember, in this moment, we, as we go through the book of Exodus on Wednesdays, you can hear, as they constructed the tabernacle, all the procedures and policies and preparation they had to do for a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies, right? You had to wash a certain way. You had to perform certain sacrifices. Very bloody situation. A lot of sin had to be atoned for. And then the priest would walk into the Holy of Holies. And if his heart wasn't right, and if he didn't do things right, what happened? Boom, he dropped dead. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to take my foot off the gas a little bit because that same spirit that was dropping high priest dead or giving a vision for the next year for Israel will now be inside of you. And you would be like, if you were a Jew at that time, you'd be like, wait, I'm going to, Jesus, I'm going to need you to repeat that. Uh, what? The, I'm not even as pure as a high priest, and now you want to put that Holy Spirit inside of me? And the Lord is saying, don't worry, I have a plan, because you will no longer be covered by the blood of sheep. You'll be covered by the blood of lamb, the lamb of God, a lamb that will wipe away all sins. And then that ministry that once took place at a certain specific time in the temple will now be in you, and you will become my living temple, my representative of the Most High throughout, throughout the world. And I just want to say, I, I want to go back to the Moses moment. I just want to just step back in Moses. I always like to see things in these weird movie moments, but can you imagine Moses walking in and be like, so these are the guys that get the spirit inside of them, huh? I had to wash. I had to kill bulls. I had, but these guys... And we would look at him and go, yes, these guys. 
because God chose us. We didn't choose ourselves. God came to us and said, I can see my ministry flowing to the four corners of this world through the obedience and love and faith of my people as I work inside of them. Let's continue in this next verse. I will show you uh, John chapter 20. It's on the screen as well. And you can see this is this moment for them that took place on the evening of that first day. It's on the screen. This is right after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together and with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, mind you, he would have to say that because if you were with the disciples and you were elbow deep in some hummus and you were wondering, like, what happens next? What's going on? And Jesus appears in the room, right? And he's like, peace be with you. Don't, Don't freak out. Don't freak out. And you're standing there and he says this, he showed them his hands and his side and says, yes, it's me. Remember what I said earlier? I told you I was going to die, you guys. I don't know why you guys are freaking out. Look at the next part. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord, right? And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. What a thought. The commandment that Jesus received in heaven to come to earth and to lead the ministry and change the way that we see God and change the way we see the relationship between us and God, right? Think of the Old Testament, New Testament. That same commandment is now coming to us. Listen to this. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We're standing here because of the legacy and the power and the obedience of the Holy Spirit. You are here because the person of the Holy Spirit has guided you and walked you from sin and death and destruction all the way to light and life and love inside of Jesus Christ. And you can hear there's like an echo inside of this. In Genesis chapter 2, it says, The Lord God formed man in the dust, right? He made Adam, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And you can hear that same thing, what Jesus is saying, when I found you, you were spiritually dead. You, you were not the person who you were meant to be. You were made in the image of God, and you were not living for God. And so I've come to you now with my power and my authority, and I breathe into you new life, and you are now resurrected so that you could stand before all men and testify, where I was once dead, now I'm alive. Where I once was lost, I am now found. And now I testify of the goodness of God because of the life that he's breathed in me. It's not even my breath. It's a gift, and I would let you know that this is something to say. What we lost in the natural, we now gain in the supernatural. We are a people of miracles. We are a people by the very miracle of this. Uh, my spirit was dead. It has now been rejuvenate, rejuvenated with life. Why? Because God breathed it into me. I am a miracle child. And now we no longer wa- operate in the authority of this flesh and this earth that's falling apart. We operate in his authority. That's the aha moment. And you can hear this in the promises of the Holy Spirit of the verses we just read. Look at the screen. He said, I will speak all truth to you. Have you ever, I don't know, I'm getting annoyed because I'm starting to quote them in my head. You watch these political ads. We're not getting political, but you watch these political ads and you can quote them, right? You know, at the end because you're so annoyed with them. And you're like, I don't even know what they're talking about. They're not even saying anything, right? But when you just love to have that one Holy Spirit ad come on the thing, I'm the Holy Spirit. I only speak the truth. Shortest commercial you've ever seen. Paid for by Jesus Christ and heaven committed. You're like, thank you. That's all I need here. I just need someone to speak the truth to me. He will guide you. Wouldn't you just love that? Wouldn't you just love the Lord to hold your hand through everything? What's he been doing through scripture, through word, through life? He will be your personal go between you and God. 
What is he doing? Everything that God's thinking and saying, right to you. There is no stops. He will lay out plans for our future. Wouldn't you like to know everything that God has in store? Have you woken up and said, Lord, what do you want from me? Well, he has something for you. You have purpose and you have design. He's turning you into the image of Jesus Christ so that you could go out and change the world, so that you could change Sebastian, that you could change your family. And then last where it says, bind you in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the most important part because you have to understand that the whole point of the testimony of the Holy Spirit was to point you to a Jesus that you didn't even know that you needed, to give you a life that you didn't even know you had coming to you, to show you a way for an eternity that you didn't even know was being prepared for you. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And that's where we can say that illuminating work has turned the light on for our eyes. It's like when you go, um, when somebody comes in the room and just turns on the light really quick, right? And your eyes haven't adjusted and you can kind of see objects. You're like, I hope, I hope that's somebody that I know and love that just turned on the light. And as the blurry becomes sharp in focus, you can finally see, right? The light is on, but it takes your eyes a second to adjust. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing through these promises, adjusting your spiritual eyes to finally see in sharp focus, in sharp detail, what God has in plan for you. And then now you can focus on that and get at the, the inconsequential the world fall away and go, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And by the name and the power of Jesus Christ, we will do it. Verse 14, he will glorify me because it is from me and that he will receive what he will make known to you. I'm going to say a word that seems like a bad word these days, pronouns. We're not going to get crazy. But if you watch the news, the word pronoun, it seems like a bad word. But I want you to focus on the pronouns of the Bible. I want you to hear the person of the Bible. Listen, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me, and he, he, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, will make it known to you. I'm going to say it to you one more time. All that belongs to me, or all that belongs to the Father is mine. Jesus has received, right? And what is now he's going to do? He says, that is why I said to the Spirit will see from me what he will make known to you. What's the point we're making here? God's love has come full circle from Genesis all the way to the church today. And it looks like this, from creation to salvation and now through the Spirit. Everything that is in the world, is it owned by the Father? Yes or no? So God owns everything. We can agree on that. Did he give it to Jesus Christ? Yes. Who gives it to the Holy Spirit? Then what does he do? Makes it known to us, shares it with us. Our love has come full circle from our fall to our salvation and now to our sanctification as the Lord brings us into all knowledge of all truth. He doesn't shield anything. He doesn't hide anything. He is generous. He is good. Think about this. You need faith to move forward in your walk. Who is the author and perfecter of your faith? Jesus Christ. We need to give tithes and offering to the church. Who gives seed to the sower? The Lord, he gives everything. And here he's saying, I want you to see that, that I am a good God, I am a generous God. And even more than that, as we learned three weeks ago in John chapter 14, what does the Holy Spirit usher in to us through Jesus Christ? The indwelling of the whole Trinity. Not only do you have everything that God has, you have him. Sinful, broken down, dark you now atoned by the blood of Jesus Christ, is now the dwelling place for the entire Trinity who has come to make a home in your heart. 
There are people in this world that are doing whatever they can, trying whatever religion they can to get a glimpse of divinity. And here in this room right now, as Christian believers, we have the host, the most high, the living father living in our heart today. What a power and what a privilege. And this is what he's saying. Let your lips spring forth with a testimony of the Holy Spirit. I am a living temple. I have God because, not because I chose him, he chose me and he gifted me this moment. We're going to move to a, a, a last and final verse. So I'm going to touch on 1 Corinthians um, 11, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, and I want to break it down for the end part here for you. I want you to hear this. It says, again, for who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of man that is in him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Look at verse 12. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. Freely given. There isn't a portion of goodness from heaven that God has held back from you. If you want the Holy Spirit, open up. If you want his grace, open up. If you want forgiveness, right here, right now. And why? Because God doesn't make it hard. He's generous. He's good. I want you to also know in verse 14, he would go on to say, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Holy Spirit. I just want to tell you a quick story. Um, so the, the lightning struck in our house, and the internet went out, and we couldn't stream anymore. And the boys were looking at me, and I'm looking at the boys for 10 minutes, and we're like, what do we do with our lives now? This is crazy. And they even looked at me like, I hope you have a plan. And I'm looking at my, I'm like, I thought you would have something. And so I pulled a case out, and I dusted it off, and I opened it up, and I brought out a DVD. And my boys came out, and I'm like, what is this shiny thing that you have? And I said, I'd, it's a movie. And they're like, there's no way there's a movie on this disc. And they're picking them up and looking at them. And I'm like, yes, the ancients of old used these which it belongs in a museum. And so we popped in the movie, and we played the movie, and they were like, oh, Dad, this is so great. Even though the internet's not out, we can watch TV. We can watch the movie. And I'll never forget when my oldest son, Joey, turned to him and said, how long have you had these? And I said, forever. But I turned and I looked at him, and I said, they've always been here. I sometimes think that as Christians that we walk into ministry and we realize um, that how quickly we are lacking and how quickly we don't have all the gifts to do the things that God's asked us to do. And sometimes we forget that the Holy Spirit's been here the whole time. And all we have to do is ask. And all we have to say is, Lord, if it's your heart that you've called me into ministry, provide for me to do the things that only you can do. I'll tell you this as a pastor right now, and every pastor here will tell you this, I cannot stand up here and speak the word of God without the Holy Spirit. I can't do the things of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit because I'm not clever enough. Um, I, I will say this. Please don't stop the compliments, but sometimes we get a compliment after service where somebody comes up to me and says, I've never heard that passage said that way before. That's a really profound way, and I'm always like, thank you, but really it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. Just think about this. I'm preaching out of one passage, and there's many different people here with many different situations many different problems, and yet the Lord cooks up the perfect meal from the word for that person. I can't claim credit for that. The Holy Spirit can. I'm not smart enough. I don't have a degree in theology. I'm not a professor. I'm not a Bible scholar. But what I do have is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I come under that authority and let him do the speaking. 
And if you are in this room today, I want to challenge you. If, you. if you feel like maybe the Lord isn't close, that's a lie. That's not true. We've just found from the Word everything the Lord is doing in your life is being revealed with the Holy Spirit that is walking and talking and inside of you today. If you do think that the Lord has a plan for your life, that's not true. The Lord has just proven his plan is to operate you as the front and center person of his ministry in your life, in your sphere of influence, by the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. We don't come alone. We come in twos, me and the Holy Spirit. 